Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Unto him personally. The text we're going to look at tonight might seem like kind of an odd one for, uh, for a Monday. I think it's actually Mondi Thursday. There's no A in there, right? Yeah. Um, but you know... Um, the text we're going to look at tonight is actually about somebody rising from the dead, and we usually think of that as the Easter message, and we're going to cover that on Easter as well. But a week before that, there was another resurrection, and that was one of the signs um, that we've been looking at here in the Gospel of John. And, and so in our Lenten review of the various signs that Jesus performed, um, this is number seven. And, and you know, many signs add up to help to make the way clear. And that's true, for instance, on the road, isn't it? Just think about it. Uh, there might be a sign that says, reduce speed ahead. Then telling you about another sign that's coming where it tells you that speed limit. Or there's a stop sign, ahead sign, and then followed by a stop sign. Uh, or a curve ahead sign, and then you see those multiple arrows pointing so you know which way you're curving, even in the dark. Um, those signs work together to point to something important. And so it is with Jesus. Many signs that he performed pointed out something that all of us need to know about him. And they point ahead then ultimately to his death and resurrection and even then showing us the road to heaven. I invite you to look with me in the Gospel of John tonight then. We're actually looking at the very last verses of John chapter 10 and then on into chapter 11. And I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as I read. <coughs> And also I'd invite you to just after I read just this portion here, um, keep your Bible open to these chapters as we're going to be walking through some verses that I don't read out loud here to start with. Begin verse 40 then of chapter 10, it says this, And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he stayed there. And many came to him and were saying, Well, John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. And now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And so the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not meant for death but for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let's pause and pray. Lord, we pray that as we meditate on this fascinating account here, that you would reveal yourself all the more to us, that we would see who you are, and Lord, that that would be a clear signpost to us um, that we would then respond to, uh, each one of us as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. 
I had to start reading back in the text there in chapter 10 because that's where John sets the scene. And he tells us just where it was that Jesus is when he hears this news about Lazarus. And also he tells us what people were saying about Jesus there. And you see, due to Jesus' increasing popularity among people in Jerusalem and also the growing hatred of the Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem, Jesus had withdrawn from there about a day's journey away um, to that area across the Jordan River where John the Baptist was first preaching and baptizing people. And crowds of people found him there too. And what were the people saying about him there? Well, they were saying this. John the Baptist performed no signs. But everything he said about Jesus was true. And you see, the people recognized the similarities and also the differences between John the Baptist and Jesus. Both of them had preached uh, of the need to repent of your sins. However, John had said, after him was going to come one whose rank was higher than him, who would be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the people more and more were then seeing that all of those things that John had said about Jesus were true. And they were recognizing that, that John didn't really have any special powers. He, he didn't perform any signs or miraculous things. He was just that voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the one that's going to come after him that would be far more significant than him. And what have we seen then as we've gone through it during our Lenten season here, the various messages this season, we saw that Jesus had performed all kinds of miracles or signs. And with that then there was this gradual progression of more and more people that knew about him. So let's just review. Ash Wednesday, I preached about how Jesus changed water into wine there at Cana of Galilee. And at that point, then, just his mother and a few disciples and some servants knew about that first miracle or sign. The following week, Art Welly told us of how Jesus healed this Roman official servant at this town nearby, Capernaum. And so now, um, Jesus' ability was starting to spread. um, A word about it a little bit further to that area all around Capernaum. The week after that, uh, Todd Schuring told us of how Jesus healed a man who had been an invalid for 38 years at that pool of Bethesda, which was in Jerusalem. And so now, at that point, then, um, word about Jesus' teachings and his miracles had spread far beyond Galilee um, to Jerusalem, which is about 80 miles away from Capernaum. The next week, then, Cliff Langrude told us of how Jesus multiplied five loaves of bread and two fish, to feed 5,000 people by the Sea of Galilee. And so now that was back up north again, near Capernaum, that that took place. And and obviously then thousands of people saw that miracle. And the word was out about the amazing things that Jesus could do. And some of the folks who followed him, uh, it was almost like they were following a magician or something, just waiting for another sign. Um, More than they were really wanting to understand the truth of what he was teaching. But there were others that were coming to believe in him and and believe he was the promised Messiah that the Old Testament prophets had spoke about. Well, a couple weeks ago, then Pastor Dale Finstrom um, preached about Jesus walking on top of the water on the Sea of Galilee. And and that sign kind of stumped the disciples, uh, especially when they even saw not just Jesus walking on the water, but even Peter for a bit. 
And, and as you follow along a little later in the text, there it tells us that Peter soon after that confessed about Jesus, we have believed and we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then last week, Luke Quanbeck told us of, of, of Jesus back in Jerusalem, uh, giving a man who was born blind ability to see. And that really got things stirred up in Jerusalem. Word spread all over the city, and the Pharisees heard about that healing that had happened on the Sabbath day, and they knew who was responsible. So why did I walk through all those examples? Well, it's because that's the goal of the author of the Gospel of John. John wanted us to see this progression, and so he purposely used repeatedly that word signs to describe those various miracles that Jesus performed. And you see, people believed in Jesus because of those signs. The signs verified who he really was. And it tells us that in some of the texts. For instance, back in chapter 6, right after that account of the feeding of the 5,000, then it says this, When therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is of a truth the prophet who's come into the world. And then in chapter 9, after the healing of the blind man, people said about Jesus, Well, how can a man who's a sinner perform such signs. And you see, then they were, be, they were beginning to recognize Jesus isn't an ordinary man. He had special connections with God in order to perform miracles and signs. And, and then as we go on here, we see when, when he was told about Lazarus being really sick, Jesus had a plan. He had a plan for another sign. Do you catch that? And the news of Lazarus being really sick wasn't a surprise to Jesus. There he was, miles away, um, and he hears about it. But it didn't catch him off guard. It wasn't new news to him. You know, I think of, for, for us, how that is. Uh, I, I got news a couple months ago of a, a cousin of mine that I grew up with, who was only about a year older than me, um, who had a double health crisis, you would say, a, a serious infection in his leg, and, and then a stroke. It led to him having to have his leg amputated, and major limitations to his ability to speak and, and to even swallow. And boy, I didn't see that coming. I, I'm still a little stunned that that's the case. And I'm glad to hear he's made some progress at last um, in communication and swallowing, and I, and I trust God's got a plan even in this, in what he's going through. But it really caught me off guard. It was a surprise to me. Well, Jesus wasn't caught off he wasn't surprised with the news of Lazarus' serious illness. No, different from you and I, he seemed to know it was coming. And he even had a plan of what to do after someone would tell him about Lazarus. And we see that when we look in chapter 11, verse 4 here, when he says to the disciples here, This sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified. And we see it again when Jesus, just still over there beyond the Jordan, tells the disciples also this in verse 11. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going so that I may awaken him from sleep. And then you see the disciples saying, well, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll wake up. And uh, Jesus goes on to say, no, I'm actually speaking of his death. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Why? so that you will come to believe something about me. And when we go on here then, they get, they get to Bethany. And it's just outside of Jerusalem. And, and, it, and people meet on the way and tell Jesus, Lazarus is dead. 
And uh, that didn't catch him by surprise. He didn't say, oh, shoot, I guess I'm too late then, huh? He didn't say that. No, he already knew he was dead, and he had a plan for another sign. And that brings us to this sense. Some folks' faith in Jesus' ability were limited by the signs that they had observed so far. But when we look at Martha, we see that wasn't so with her. Um, you look at verse 37 of chapter 11 there. It says, some of them said, so there's this crowd gathered around there um, in, in uh, the area of Bethany, and some of them said, well, could this man who opened the eyes of the man who was blind, they'd heard about that in Jerusalem, could he not have kept this man from dying? They're thinking if he had been here, then he wouldn't have died. And, and actually both Martha and, and Mary said that. They, they said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. I wonder, do we sometimes have kind of a similar perspective? We believe in Jesus for some things. Believe in him to a point. Believe maybe he can help us with some things. Maybe he could control the weather. Maybe he could heal us from some illnesses. But do we kind of put limits on what he can do or at least will do for us? I find it really interesting here. Martha said something that day. Verse 22, she said this. Lord, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Whatever you ask of God. She was essentially saying, Jesus, I know you well enough now to know that there are no limits to your connection with the Father. Whatever at all you ask of God, he'll do for you. And she recognized then something very important about Jesus, and that is his abilities weren't limited. They weren't even limited by death. And then he performed one more sign that proved who he was and what he could do. Verse 23 tells us that Jesus says then to Martha, your brother will rise from the dead. And Martha responds and says, yeah, I know he'll rise from the dead on the last day at the resurrection. And you see, Martha believed that there was coming this day, which we, we hold to as well, when, when God will raise all the dead to life. And that will be followed then by judgment day for all mankind. But Jesus was telling her that something beyond that for Lazarus. And, and he went on to say, look at verse 25 here, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then she says this to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who comes into the world. And, and so Martha had come to believe that Jesus was no mere man, but he was rather the promised Messiah, and beyond that, even the Son of God, and the Son of God himself then has no limits. She knew that. He who created human life out of the dust of the earth can also resurrect a human life with just his word. And that's what he did that day. And verse 43 tells us then, when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to imagine what that would be like and maybe put it in our context of today imagine if you had come to somebody's funeral and you'd seen them there their cold stiff body was in the casket and then you'd gone out to the cemetery and you watched as they put the casket in the ground and then four days later there was some folks that weren't able to be at the funeral and, and so you went out to the cemetery together 
four days later, and uh, one of those people with you then that hadn't been there before called out to that person in the casket, come forth. What would you think? It's a little bit crazy. They aren't going to hear you. Dead people don't respond when people call to them, at least not normally. But again, this was no ordinary person calling out Lazarus' name. And Martha knew that. And Jesus showed his power once again as Lazarus then walked out of the tomb alive again. Verse 44 says, Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. What an amazing sign here, this seventh sign that people saw that day. And actually, the other Gospels tell us about many more signs as well, but John records these seven. And and you know, this sign caused many more to believe in Jesus. Verse 45 says, Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But this sign also caused the Pharisees' jealousy to reach this boiling point. Look at verse 46. Some of them went to the, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. And therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council meeting and they were saying, what are we doing in regard to the fact that this man is performing many signs? If we let him go on like this, all the people will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take over both our place and our nation. You see, the Pharisees, out of concern that they might lose their position, were determined to do whatever they need to do to eliminate Jesus. Seems to me they're kind of the originators of the cancel culture right here, aren't they? They developed a plan, and they waited for an opportunity to seize him. And that opportunity came on on what we call now Maundy Thursday. Jesus was fully aware that that time was coming, and in spite of, of knowing that Just very soon, he would be betrayed by one of his disciples. He'd be seized in the dark, and he'd be physically and verbally abused and and wrongly accused and falsely convicted and then hung on a cross to die a criminal's death. In spite of knowing all that, that night before all that took place, Jesus spent a little time with his disciples, preparing them for what was to come. And he, the all-powerful Son of God, who had performed many miracles, signposts, of identifying who he really was, now humbled himself. And that night he washed the disciples' feet, and then he ate this traditional Passover meal with them, and then he instituted the Lord's Supper, which was pointing ahead then to what would take place when he would go to the cross, where he would suffer and die for, this, for their sins and for the sins of the whole world. You know, as I've been thinking about this this week, and it strikes me, that the Pharisees and the chief priests, in spite of then all of the signs that Jesus had performed, either still didn't grasp who they were dealing with, or else they did, but their hearts were so filled with self-righteousness and jealousy and hatred of Jesus that they refused to recognize him as the awesome, sinless Son of God that stood right before them. And though they tried everything they could possibly do, still they couldn't succeed at their goal of canceling Jesus' influence. And though they did their best to manipulate a guilty verdict that led to his death on the Roman cross, they didn't actually force his death, nor could they stop his resurrection. And Jesus went willingly to the cross. 
as part of God's redemption plan for mankind. And you know, there's this, this song that um, it seemed like was sung often during Holy Week when I was growing up. Maybe some of you know it. The words of it just ring in my ears. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. John records two very different responses to the amazing Jesus Christ this, um, and the miraculous signs that he performed. There were the growing number of people that came to believe in him. And then there were those that refused and wanted to do away with him. And so tonight, as we draw to a close, which is your response to all of the signs that Jesus performed? Are you one who, because of what, Jesus, because of what John recorded, has come to believe that Jesus wasn't a mere man, but he rather was the sinless Son of God? Have you come to believe he's also the Christ, the promised Messiah that prophet spoke of, who came for you and for me to save us from our sins? Have you found new life, eternal life in him? Or are you like the Pharisees and others who, for whatever reason, refuse to believe and would rather try to do away with Jesus? I guess the thing that's impressed on my heart as, as we've gone through this Lenten series is that this, this person who was such an amazing miracle worker, who had all power over nature and over sickness and even over death, this one who was the very Son of God, that's the one who went to the cross for you and for me, and he did it willingly in order that we could have forgiveness of sin and life in his name.